Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. This is Rob Moore here with another Caffeine Cast which is a short, sharp shot in the arm of motivation and inspiration. And the title of this caffeine cast is Jack of All Trades or Master of One. Now, before we get into the details, just like to set the scene, if you like. So if you'd be sat here with me, you'd see the most beautiful view, hills and mountains in the background, loads of boats. I'm looking over a lake outside an apartment I'm staying in near San Diego. And I'm here for... Uh, my son's world under six, we call it under seven in the UK, or six under in America, they call it, his first ever world championships. And I'm recording outside, so you're going to hear buses, cars, maybe a helicopter, you're definitely going to hear birds, probably going to hear people. And this makes this particular episode really relevant conceptually, because I've, for the last 20 years, wrestled with should I become a specialist or a generalist? And, and are the most successful people out there in business, finance, you know, money, success, happiness, whatever. Are there specialists where they're the best at something in the world or one of the best in the world or the top 1% of the 1%? Or are they a generalist where they're pretty good at quite a few things but not great at one thing? And I think if you study successful people, it's changed. And I think maybe 20, 30 years ago or maybe even before in the industrial age, it seemed that becoming a specialist you know, really good at one thing, that was what made you a very successful person financially and emotionally. And I think the study of successful people, probably up until the last decade or two, it's really been that you've got to become the best. You know, you've got to be in the top 1% of the top 1%, you know, the 80-20 principle. The top golfers would earn 80% of the money and they'd get 80% of the sponsorship deals. And it would be the same in virtually any technical vocation or skill set. But I think that's really changing. And for 20 years, I never got good at one thing and always sort of struggled to stay the course of anything long enough. I don't know if you can relate to that, but, you know, I'd, I'd get okay or quite good at something. Let's say martial arts. I did martial arts for many years and, and I get to a brown belt or a black belt. And by the way, that's a not a good brown belt or black belt level. And then I kind of get bored or I'd, I'd see another martial art which looked fun and different and exciting and I'd want to go and do that and, and I'd jump and I'd go and do something else. And I'd do the same in sport, got quite good at cricket, quite good at rugby, quite good at golf, but never good enough to make a living out of it or to really be better than anyone else I knew. And I was raised by my dad, who's very entrepreneurial, to be, uh, he gave me a lot of freedom. And, and anything I wanted to do, he'd let me do it. And then if I didn't want to do something, he'd never force me to do it. And then if I wanted to change something, yeah, that'd be fine. And he'd almost let me test all the time. He didn't know it was testing, but he'd just give me this freedom. And of course, I loved him for that. And that was a, an amazing thing growing up to just be able to do what you want when you want to have this freedom. But there was a big downside to that. And the downside to that was that I probably didn't stay the course of anything long enough to be great at it. And I probably, at certain points in my life, gave up on things too easily when they got a little bit hard. And therefore, when I set up as an artist, when I set up as a pub landlord, when I, 
after university when I was thinking about becoming an architect, as soon as it got difficult or I just thought, oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of over this, I'd just crack on and do something else. And whilst that felt good, I could never monetize anything properly. And so up until the age of 25, I was always skint. And I suppose I probably didn't have really good deep-rooted self-worth because I think the one thing I've noticed on people who become really good at one thing is that they have good self-worth in that area. And that self-worth can be transmuted into other areas. And, and I think that's a very uh, powerful thing. And I suppose because that's the way my, my dad brought me up, I'm kind of almost doing the opposite with Bobby. So Bobby is to everybody who's ever seen him, any coach, any golfer who's you know, really good. He's the best five-year-old golfer in the world. He's qualified a year and a half early for the, the two World Under Six Championships that we've brought him out to San Diego to play in. And so I'm really with Bobby trying to raise him to be a specialist because I don't think it really serves him in golf to be a generalist because if he's good at golf and good at cricket and good at rugby and good at all these other things, it doesn't really serve him to get better at golf. And so the more he does golf, uh, the better he'll get. But my challenge, therefore, in, in trying to raise him to be a specialist is not push him to the point where he doesn't enjoy it anymore and he wants to give up and he wants to do something else. So I've almost got to give him the freedom to be a generalist specialist, if you like, some chipping, some putting, some driving, some ironing, some, you know, some, all the different parts of the game. Because even within golf, you could become a specialist at putting and you can be the best putter in the world and not necessarily the best golfer. So there's almost like generalism in the specialism. And so my challenge with Bobby the whole time is focusing enough on becoming a great golfer, but not too early and staying patient and maybe letting him do other things as well and giving him some freedom within the, the specialist thing. Now, let's bring this back to being an entrepreneur because if you want to be a heart surgeon or a rocket scientist or some kind of specialist engineer, then becoming a specialist, you know, focusing on a single niche but going very deep is probably going to serve you and it's probably going to be the thing you're going to need to do. And you're need to, going to continue to need doing that consistently every day. And you are going to, your challenge is going to be not, getting bored or having enough of it or just wanting to give up and not being allured by all the different other things that look interesting. But, and I think this is where a lot of the traditional self-help education is kind of being a bit flawed, is if you want to be an entrepreneur, a visionary, a leader, I think becoming a specialist is one of the worst things you can do. Because being a leader, an entrepreneur, putting, collating a team, inspiring people, a mission to change the world. You need to know marketing, sales, finance. You need to have a vision. You need to know how to share a mission with people. You need to know how to influence specialists and get them together. And then all the dysfunctions of all these specialists that you put together are all kind of quirky and insane and crazy in their own specialist world. But geniuses too. You've got to put them all together, like herding cats and a load of different animals. And then you've got to have them function as a team, even though they're totally different because the creatives and the techies don't see the world the same way. And you've got the managers and then you've got the the kind of the people on the ground, you've got the coders, the techies, you know, you've got the salespeople and the marketers who are different. You've got the event managers and you've got the finance team and they all speak different languages. And you've got to put all these, this jigsaw puzzle together and get them talking to each other and working together and, and, and living together and, and, and appreciating each other. And that's not a specialism at all. That's like a, like, that's what being an entrepreneur is in this day and age. And of course, I wrote about that a lot in Life Leverage and, and, and created a philosophy of the Life Leverage philosophy. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, a disruptive entrepreneur, if you 
because that's what Mark Zuckerberg is, that's what Elon Musk is, that's, you know, all these big billionaire, uh, Richard Branson, another one. You know, you wouldn't say that they are the best coder or, you know, or the best salesperson or, or whatever, but they definitely have a grasp, uh, an overall grasp for the basic functions of being an entrepreneur. And more and more, they're creating both national, then global, then intergalactic visions. And they, you can see they develop their public speaking skills. You know, you can see that they develop their leadership skills. You can see that their vision gets bigger and bigger. And if you think about in military terms, you know, a general isn't a foot soldier, foot shoulder. A general isn't a foot soldier. A general isn't infantry, you know, on the front line. A general is a generalist. So it might be war strategy. It might be, you know, getting, I mean, I know nothing about being in the military, so my analogy is probably going to have to stop here. But they're called a, a generalist not a specialist. So I think that gives you a bit of an insight. There's upsides and downsides of both. Because if you want to be the best at a niche and your job and your career and your vocation need you to be the best in that niche, then you want to be the specialist. And the advantage of that is you get all the recognition, all the PR, all the sponsorship, all the brand, you become the best known, you get most of the purse or the prize or the money, uh, you know, you own that niche and they're all huge upsides. The downside is uh, you've got to do the same thing for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And for an entrepreneur, that can be like death and boredom. So, you know, another, another downside is you miss out on other things. So what downside are you prepared to take? What does your niche need you to be? Now, if, you are, if you're a disruptive entrepreneur and your business is flower arranging, then maybe what you do is you become a specialist for three years and then you grow into becoming a generalist. So then you look at hiring a salesperson, you look at hiring some people to, you know, do the flower arranging. Again, another rubbish analogy by me, but you get it because that's a niche. And then you create a bigger vision to become the, the world's best. And then as you build a team and you, and, and you, put, you collate that team and put that team together, then your main generalism is inspiring the people and, and, and taking them through the ups and downs and, you know, maybe hiring and outsourcing. And again, the, the, big, the big thing that it always comes back to is vision. So I would say work out what your field needs you to be, become it, and then as you grow and scale, pivot into becoming more of a generalist. And even if your niche enables you to be a generalist, then pivot and become even more of a, a kind of a higher level abstraction generalist. What you find, for example, look at Tony Blair, you know, he was obviously a politician, but once he uh, finished in politics, he became a great orator. And so he became more general in what he did. Uh, he was paid £350,000 for, for one speech, I know, because I know the promoter. And that's pretty good money for being a generalist. And I remember hiring Lord Sugar at one of my property conferences. He didn't even have to do a PowerPoint. He didn't even have to do any pre uh, preparation. He just turned up and did a Q&A. And I mean, it's probably uh, not the right thing to share how much it, it, we paid him, but it was tens of thousands of pounds for an hour. But I guess for he, the first sort of three or five years of his career, he probably was a, a specialist. So there's some things to think about. Now, if you're a generalist and you're a disruptive entrepreneur, you get variety. You get to try new things. You get to learn something new every six to 12 months. So, you know, you, you get to iterate all the time. You get to test all the time. Uh, and that can be really exciting. And if you're that kind of person, it, it's probably going to serve you to be an entrepreneur. And you're probably going to be able to grow a large scale enterprise. You're probably going to be good at leveraging and letting go. 
And sometimes, as this generalist, you've got to let go of the things that you're quite good at, the things that you enjoy. And sometimes that can be hard because you're good at it and you enjoy it. But if you want to grow to the next level, you've got to let those things go. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast on jack of all trades or master of one. I think that when you go down the traditional education route, that is a good thing for traditional jobs like accountant, lawyer, etc., doctor, dentist. So, you know, you've probably heard me position against traditional education, but that's only if what you want to do is non-traditional. If you want to be a generalist and an entrepreneur and a visionary, they don't teach that stuff really in school and university and kind of diplomas and further education. So again, if you're thinking about what education path to go down or what education path to send your kids down, you've got to think about what the end goal is. And for disruptive entrepreneurs, probably not the best thing to go down the traditional school education route because what you're taught in school is to learn how to memorize things and that's not what you need being a disruptive entrepreneur that probably is what you need when you're a doctor a dentist a lawyer okay so i've got some exciting things coming up that which i think will really benefit you the 50th episode which i think will probably be in about three or four episodes time many of you who've been giving me feedback you've been asking for me to be interviewed and to be able to submit your questions to me personally. So we're going to be doing a Grill Rob podcast on the 50th episode. I'd love to uh, be able to answer your personal question. I'm going to be giving away a very valuable prize for everybody's question who gets submitted and asked. Tom, who is the disruptive entrepreneur behind the disruptive entrepreneur, he does all the design, he does all the uploading, the listing, the descriptions, everything, the sort of the operational parts of the podcast. He's going to be grilling me. I'm going to be doing it live from San Diego. So if you have any questions that you'd like to ask me about business, finance, making money, being a disruptive entrepreneur, starting your business, growing your business, leveraging, outsourcing, the life leverage philosophy, anything like that, please submit it either on email so you can email me at robmore at progressiveproperty.co.uk that's robmore at progressiveproperty.co.uk you can post it on my Facebook page at robmore progressive you can post it in the disruptive entrepreneurs community which is on Facebook which is the disruptive entrepreneurs community and we'll do it on first come first served and then we'll also do it on kind of best quality of question and that'll be the 50th episode so thanks for tuning in I hope you enjoyed this caffeine cast and remember if you don't risk anything you risk everything